0: Welcome, this is Second Peter, and I am uh, Craig Ogard, and um, I used to work for a gentleman in Oklahoma right after I graduated from college, and he had a little saying when someone asked him, "Um, have you ever built this before? And he would say, well, if I build this one and one more, I've built two. (laughs) So so let's pray. Father, we are grateful um, for your faithfulness. For your loving kindness um, for the mercy and the grace that you extend to us through your son the Lord Jesus Christ thank you for this day and that this is a day that you've made and we are to rejoice and be glad in it and we thank you for your word and that it is alive and active we thank you for the Holy Spirit who uh, leads and guides into truth and so we ask for his presence we ask for his assistance And that you would be exalted and lifted up and honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. I um, have taken some classes from a guy named Fran Shaka. He uh, has a ministry here in town, a teaching ministry called Hands of Her. Um, And he has a little saying about studying the Bible. And it is this. Before it was God's word to you, it was God's word to someone else. Before it was God's word to you, it was God's word to someone else. <clears throat> and so, I think it um, it's important that we look at Scripture in its context, and um, and not only that, but what kind of literature is it? Um, Uh, The Bible is made up of of different kinds of literature. There's narrative, there's letters, there's history, there's poetry. And so it's important that we understand the genre, the context, the people, the culture. um, All those things, as they come together, help us uh, get an understanding of the the context and the writer and the people's lives. So that being said, if you have a Bible and you want to turn, and there's some here if you want to grab one, uh, you're welcome to. Uh, I'm going to be in the NIV, I think that's the ESV, um, if anybody wants one, y'all want one? Um. <coughs> if you look at uh, Second Peter chapter 3, as Peter begins, uh, as he writes there, we, we find out a couple of things about this letter. And I just gave one of them away, but he says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter. So very much in black and white, this this book is a letter. And it is actually his second letter um, to, a, to a, a group of people. And um, and so we're reading someone else's mail here, if you will. Um, and he's writing uh, to a group of people who are uh, Gentile converts. And obviously there's, a, there's an affinity with these people. Um, a number of times he calls them dear friends. Um, and we know that these are, these are believers because he says in chapter 1, verse 1, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith, so these these people to whom he is writing are believers. They've received a faith. We have no details about their uh, conversion in terms of who it was that preached to them. Uh, in First Peter, he says. Um, uh, in, ch- in verse chapter one, verse twelve, he says it was revealed to them that though they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who preach the gospel to you, that's all we know. Somebody came and preached the gospel to these people. Okay, and uh, and these people are scattered. It's not this is not a letter to a, a specific church, but in First Peter he says that. Um, These are God's elect, they're strangers in the world, and they're scattered throughout Pontus, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and and Bithynia, which today would be northern Turkey. Okay, So he's in this area of northern Turkey, just below the Black Sea. Now, if you want a vacation there, I'm sure Troy would be glad to uh, make that arrangement for you. you. You're welcome. We had to get that in for Troy. So... um, so that's the geographic area. They are up uh, in the northern part of Turkey. Um, and they are scattered in that area. Um, and um, interesting enough about this area, as Paul traveled on his missionary journeys, this was an area that at one point he was on the border and he was trying to go to. He was trying to go there. But it, it says that the spirit of the Lord kept him from going there. And, and that's when he saw his vision of a man in Macedonia that said come and help us uh, and so he, he went there. Uh, now whether or not Peter traveled there I, I don't really know. Now Peter did travel um, but I, I don't know that he traveled there and, and, and if he preached to those people or, or, or what um, it's just not clear. But nonetheless he has a an affinity and an affection and, a, and a, a relationship with these people, as he calls them, dear brothers. Um, they were a part of the Roman Empire. I think that's important. This was written in the year. First Peter was 64 A.D. Second Peter is about 66 A.D. Um, so it's the, it's the Roman Empire that they're 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 ruled by Nero was the emperor about this time. And uh, interesting to me is that about a year after the second letter that Peter writes here, um, he dies, about 67, 68 A.D. So this this is maybe one of the last documents that we have from the Apostle Peter. Don't know that for sure, but amazing to me that we have in our possession today a document that was written by the Apostle Peter and maybe be one of his last things that he that he wrote. I don't know that for a fact, but still that's pretty interesting to me. All right, um, three chapters, 61 verses, 2 Peter. I would encourage you, um, if you choose to continue to come, um, to read it. As many times as you can. I've timed myself. It'll take you less than nine minutes to read Second Peter. And I'm a slow reader. So um, I think in reading and rereading and reading and rereading, you begin to, to see and glean and, and understand things that you just don't, when you read it through real quick one time. So let me encourage you to do that. Nine minutes. You can read it. I bet you can find nine minutes somewhere in your day. Um, so why did he write Second Peter? Look at chapter 3, verse 1 again. Very clearly states <clears throat> the reason why he writes it. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you, and I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Uh, I think there's some themes that come out of this um, book Uh, a number of times eight times in particular I think I counted right, but he uses the word remember, recall to mind, don't forget, Um, and so that's very important to what he's trying to communicate to these people to remember, to call to mind, to don't forget. Um, He's also writing them to warn them and in particular uh, in chapter 2 his concern is with um, false teachers that are um, in their midst. Um, But then he also writes to encourage them uh, to encourage them to be diligent, to encourage them to be all the more eager, if you will, to make your calling and election sure. Um, so these are some of the themes that that um, that come out um, of this letter um, of Second Peter. Um, think it's also important that we we take a few minutes and um, look at just the life of Peter uh, the Apostle um, Peter was a Jewish fisherman um, and he went from a fisherman to a disciple to an apostle and here, as he opens this letter he says now that I'm a servant His conversion took place. His brother Andrew was with someone. They were with John the Baptist. John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. Andrew goes with that person. They spend time with Jesus. He comes back. He goes to Simon and he says, We've, we've found the Messiah. And his brother uh, Andrew takes him to... Uh, to Jesus, and then later, uh, Jesus calls Simon and Andrew together to come follow me, and they drop their nets and they begin their life of following Christ. Um, what what is it about that you can recall in your mind about Peter's life? What just anything? What 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 is something that, that is you recall about Peter's life? Anything? He's intensely human. He's somebody we can all identify with. Okay. In in what in in, in what way, Jane? Well, he falls down all the time. He makes these grand promises, and he keeps. <laughs> or he makes these grand statements, statements. and then he and then he yeah, amen. Okay. Anybody else? Give me an example. Can you can you cite an example, Jane, of one of his Before grand farms, statements? The cock crows three times. Mm-hmm. Well, that was that was Jesus said said to Peter, you know, when he said, "I will never deny you." That's it. Yeah, and then and then Jesus says to him, "Peter, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me." Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Come on, surely something. Tells Jesus not to go out to Jerusalem. Yeah. 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 and immediately before that immediately before that what did he confess about Christ that he is the Christ Christ. I mean so here's this Jesus you are the Christ you're the son of the living God and he says blessed are you Simon Peter because my father has revealed this to you and in the next breath Jesus says well I've got to go to Jerusalem I've got to be you know crucified and I'm going to die and Peter says no way and Jesus says get behind me Satan you've got in mind the things of men not the things of God Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Back yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul, and and the We're going to try to get into that a little bit. But the interesting thing about that is, is uh, you know, he had this vision. Paul had the vision of the sheep coming down out of heaven. Excuse me, Peter. I'm sorry. Thank you. Holy mackerel. Yeah, Peter. Peter has this vision. Of, of the sheet coming down from heaven. And there's all this unclean food, you know. The, the recipe of dreamland is on the sheet. And and um, and he says, you know, and the voice says, Get, kill and eat. And he says, no way. Oh, I never eat anything unclean. Um, but, yeah, Paul calls him out in the book of Galatians. Because he's begun to kind of, after this vision... You know he calls him out because he's kind of separated himself from the Gentiles. he's gone back um, and 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 you know in all those not in all those occasions, but in a couple of them that we've cited so far it's it's amazing how it says that he was afraid he was afraid of the Jews in Antioch when that happened. Um, I imagine when he denied Christ, he was probably a little bit fearful. You can just imagine you know. Um, you know, and I, and I thought about this a little bit, and, and I had a conversation recently with my with my son. In in light of some some events in his life, and, and uh, we were talking uh, about that, and um, I just said, "Well, what, you know, what were you know what was going on? What was going on in your in your in your mind?" And he said this, and I thought it was pretty profound, actually. Um, what did he say Julie um, my my judgment I was afraid and it clouded my judgment that's what he said something to that effect but I was afraid and therefore it clouded my judgment and it led him to, to do something that you know so but I but I, I I think that's a great comment that you made Jane about Peter I mean here is this man whom God is who Jesus called he spent three years with Jesus he 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 walked on the water he was in the boat when Jesus calmed the storm you know he was in the inner circle of the of the disciples Peter James and John and he went in the room when Jesus raised from the dead Jairus daughter um, he was he was at the mount of transfiguration when jesus and all of his glory was was manifested before him uh and he was in the garden with peter james and john um and yet he has these moments where you just go you know um And so there is a sense where, as I thought about that, it, 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 it is um, somewhat encouraging, really. Um, I was reminded of a, a passage in the book of the Gospel of Mark at the end where Jesus is raised, been, is raised from the dead and he's, he, uh, he's speaking to the disciples. Uh, before he ascends. And um, come on, keep turning the pages. <clears throat> and, he, and it says this: it says, Later Jesus, this is uh, Mark 16:14. Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And then he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then he says this, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And I love this little phrase, and the Lord worked with them. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it well after Jesus I mean after Jesus' resurrection and, and, and there's Peter's denial you can just I mean when he denied Christ I believe it's in Luke 22 when he denies Christ in the gospel of Luke it says Jesus looked at him he turned and he looked at Peter and the cock crows And Peter goes out and he weeps. Um, And I don't know how Jesus looked at him. I mean, that that would be an interesting moment to have seen in terms of how did he look at at Peter when he denied him. But the beauty of the story is, and we don't have the account of it, but he was reconciled. Jesus appeared to Peter and he was reconciled to Christ. And then we have the account where after he was reconciled, he was restored in John. When they're out fishing, they come in from fishing. Jesus is on the shore. And um, uh, Jesus walks with Peter and says, do you love me? He says, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs. Do you love me? You know I love you. Take care of my sheep. And so, publicly, in front of all the other disciples, he restores Jesus to ministry and to um, to be his disciple. And then, in the Book of Acts, you see Peter just rise to this to this prominence. I mean, he is just this powerful preacher on Pentecost, um, and so he becomes a, a very prominent fixture uh, in the early church. Um, so this is this is Peter, and and this is who has has uh, written this these two letters uh, to these believers. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about we've already kind of talked about it this this incident where in the book of Acts. Uh, because I think it's very important for us for us today that uh, the the the. the you know, Peter's on the roof, he's, he gets hungry, he falls into a trance he has this dream and after he comes awake from the dream or the trance, a man named Cornelius who is an, he, who is in the, he's a centurion in the Italian regiment, he has sent men to get Peter to come to his house to speak to him and so he goes with them, he goes into the house of this Gentile and um, he begins to speak to them about the gospel and about Christ and while he's speaking and this would be in Acts 10 um, they speak they begin to speak in tongues and um And so let me just read a little bit about what Peter says. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. This is Acts 10.42. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And then Peter goes back to Jerusalem. And uh, because the word's gotten out that uh, he's gone to a Gentile house, and they're not real happy. And uh, so he explains the dream. He explains that, you know, the Spirit told me to go. Um, And so once the church in Jerusalem, and Peter makes the comment, you know, so who was I to stand in God's way? Who was I to stand in God's way? Amen. And then the church says this in chapter 11, verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Now that's you and me. That's us in this room. That God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. And and, and so that is just that's a huge revelation and an opening up of this story of redemption to these Jewish men um, and our response should be the same as, as the church there they praise God saying even repentance has come to the Gentiles Um And so now it is possible for you and I to be restored and reconciled to God. I want to I share one passage from the Old Testament with you. This is, this is from 2 Samuel 14, 14. And I'm going to show a couple of clips here from a movie. Um, in 2 Samuel 14, 14, there is... Uh, This is the story of, of David being estranged from his son Absalom. And one of his generals is not happy with this, so he sends a woman to try to reconcile the two. And Joab tells her what to say, and so she goes, she meets King David. And there's this little, just one verse in the midst of this conversation that just is incredible to me. She says this, Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered so we all must die but God does not take away life instead he devises ways so that a banished person may not remain estranged from him now what is true of all of us is that we are banished and we are estranged from God I mean when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he escorted them out of the garden. He put the angel in front of the garden with the, you know, the sword and all that. They were banished, and they were estranged. Okay. Now I'm going to leave that with you. I want it. This is this is two clips. I'm trying to watch my time here. This is two clips from the movie Blood Diamond. Everybody familiar with that movie? It's a based upon a 1999, Sierra Leone, Africa, there's a civil war, there's a rebel army, there's the government army and, and they're using diamonds to fund their conflicts and they're killing people. It's, it's incredibly violent, um, but within the story there's another story. The rebels have come into a village, and they've killed, they've captured, and they captured a father, they put him to work in the, in the diamond mines, and then he escapes but they capture his son and um, the rebel army has the son and this father is, is, is pursuing his son to get him back and he's coming to kind of a, a relationship with Danny Archer who is Leonardo DiCap- DiCap- DiCaprio, is that how you say it? And um, so anyway they're, they're kind of working together, Leonardo DiCaprio just wants the diamond. The father just wants his son. Um, so let me, let me show you this, this little clip. Two clips. Oh, let me, before I... They have come to the, to, the, to, the, to the area where the rebel army is. This is a mine. The rebel army is there. Um, and the father knows, thinks his son is in this camp. And so he's going into this camp to, to find his son.
1: Can y'all hear it?
0: see if I can make this thing work here okay now so then the the government army comes in they wipe out the rebel camp but the three the three characters you just saw have have, are starting to escape from the the government army and they are um, one they're 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 digging up a diamond that Solomon has hidden And and then they're going to make their escape from the camp. Keep digging, huh? They'll be here any second. Come on. (coughs) Keep digging. (coughs) Can it better be there, huh? Yes, yes you got it? Have you got it, huh? Yes, got it. see ourselves in that movie anywhere Paul says we are at enmity with God we are his enemies and here's this excuse me father I am your father who loves you and I have come to take you home and you will be my son again We are banished. We are estranged. And yet God restores and renews and takes us to be his children again. And I think that this is Peter's message to these believers that are scattered in northern Turkey when he says... To those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, and through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." To participate in the divine nature, the the verb there, participate, is the word uh, to become. And it's in in, in what they call the aorist tense. And what that means is that the action is one and done. It's done. And so by faith in Christ and through the promises of God, we become we become participants in the divine nature. We become partners and sharers in the divine nature. This was um, the definition given in Muncie's uh, complete expository dictionary on this idea of, of partners, of sharers in the divine nature. He said this, the glory and divine nature of Jesus is made common ground for the community of faith. So for those who have faith in Jesus, the glory and divine nature of, is, is of Christ <coughs> is now ours. We become participants in the divine nature. Um, I'm really trying to watch my time. i got five minutes. Um, I really, I really want to give you a, another visual picture of this from Scripture um, in Zechariah, in the Old Testament book of Zechariah, and I'll, I'll be quick with this because we, we need to round it, wipe it up, round it up, wind it up. Um, Zechariah is shown, he, 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 he says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan was standing at his right side to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick who's been snatched from the fire? And then it says, Now Joshua was standing there and he was dressed in filthy clothes, which is unheard of for a high priest. Um, and then the angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy garments and put clean garments on him. And then the angel says, "See, I have taken away your sin." And so they put a clean turban on his head and they clothed him with rich garments. And so this faith that we have received, this this gift that God has given us, this faith in Christ. Um has renewed us and restored us into a relationship with, with God, our Father. And that's why it is so, it's, it's precious. And the same faith that, that Peter had is the same faith that we have in Christ. And the results of that faith in Christ are the, are the exact um, same. Um, and and again, the purpose that he wrote this book was that so we might remember and so here's here's the challenge that that there is for me and and maybe for you as well he said he wanted us to remember so that we would be stimulated to wholesome thinking and I think that has the idea if you will, of, of meditation And and the wholesome thinking is where you, if I did the definition right and looked it up right, is that when you take something out into the sunlight so that you can see it clearly and purely. And so we need to take this precious faith that we have been given, that has restored us to God, and we need to remember what it has accomplished for us. We need to dwell upon that and think about that and apply it to ourselves. Um, J.I. Packer has a one of the best me- uh, definitions of meditation that that I that I've heard, uh, and he was an Anglican, so that's a good thing. Um, But he says this, Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. So remember what this precious faith has accomplished for you and for me. It has restored us. It has renewed us. It's given us a new disposition, if you will, a new heart whereby we have now a relationship with the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, I'm out of time. I want to try to keep it as I should. It's 10-2. Any questions? Comments? Anybody? Okay. Um, next week I'd like, if you, if you come back, Um, this is precious faith I'd like to look at productive faith effective and productive faith next week so thank you let me pray for us Father thank you for um, your love for us that you've lavished on us in your son Jesus Christ that we would be called children of God and that is what we are help us to remember these things to call them to mind Uh, Go with us now uh, in this day That we might live in a manner that is worthy Of the calling that you've given us Amen Thank you